Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Hey, good morning, everybody. We're starting a new series this weekend that's going to, uh, I believe, give a power boost to your faith, power boost to your growth and your walk with God. We're calling it Getting a Grip on Life. Let me connect a couple of dots here. Uh, We're going to be uh, in, in a series that a couple years ago we did kind of a connecting series. We did a series called The King, and it was the rise and fall of King Solomon. And Solomon was King David's son, and we covered the life of Solomon in this series, including his rise to kingship over Israel and his accumulation of wealth, becoming the richest person the world's ever known, his accumulation of wisdom, and then his horrible demise, Uh, but then God's faithfulness in all of that. And Solomon wrote three books that are in the Bible, the Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and the book um, that this series is over, the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is a, it's a wisdom book. You find it in the wisdom section of the Bible. It's a wisdom book. Its purpose is to give genuine, real wisdom and discipline. It shows what it looks like when you can get your life under control, when you can make consistently excellent choices, say no to temptation, strengthen your career, get to know God better, all these different things. And Here's really the verse that will convince you that we need to spend some, spend some time here. And that is Proverbs 4, 7. It says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Meaning, no, like put this at the top of your list. No matter what else is on your to-do list, no matter what else you're going to do, whatever else you've got to do, develop good judgment, get wisdom. Though it may cost you everything you have, it's worth the price. Get what, get what you need, get wisdom. The Hebrew word uh, is like a craftsman word. It means skilled living. Wisdom is skilled living. It's not n- just knowledge. It's not what you understand in your brain. It's your ability to apply it in such a way that, man, this actually is making my life work. Skilled living. It makes me think of some of like the hacks out there. Has anyone else, anyone else watched those videos of like, man, hacks for like cleaning hacks to clean your home better or handyman hacks or mechanic hacks or all these different things. And it's like 101 different uses for WD-40 or uh, man, I didn't know I could use a dryer sheet to do that many different things around the house or man, I didn't know if you put paper clips at the end of the tape roll, you won't lose lose the end, or put a pop tab on a coat hanger and hang another coat hanger and save closet. I have a couple of life hacks for you today, just for fun. Here's rub walnut on damaged wooden furniture to cover up the dings, right? Your walker's been running into the furniture. You can cover it up there. Another one is, you know, you're opening the, the, key, the key ring, you know, and you're breaking a nail. Use a stapler remover to open up the key ring. Next one here. Chewing on the same flavor gum when taking a test as you did when studying will improve your memory. I don't know about that one, but I just picture people, this is my spearmint class, 
This is my double mint class. Take, I can't take my driver's test. I don't have the right gum to drive right now. The next one, prevent your toppings, pizza toppings from shifting. Put a Coke bottle in the thing of the, of the, of the, of the seat there. And you got level bo- ninja bonus, turn on the seat warmer. There you go. Life hacks. But I love this definition of wisdom as well. Beyond, I mean, what you're going to see is this just isn't skilled living. Wisdom is this, if you're taking notes. It's seen and responding to life from God's perspective. God is wise and he gives us wisdom. We don't have to lean on our own understanding. God will help us. So to help us understand the book of Proverbs... The first nine chapters of Proverbs are simply making a case for why this is a big deal and making a case for wisdom and how to get it. In fact, every man should read Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. And then in chapter 10, the Proverbs actually begin on just a whole variety of topics. Like you'll have two lines on one thing, two lines on another thing. And what you especially see in the first nine, but throughout is you see these different types of people mentioned in the book. There are all these different characters in the book of Proverbs. You have the prudent person, the sluggard, uh, the adulterous, the faithful, the immoral, the righteous, the contentious, all these different characters. But really you see four different types of people mentioned there. And if you're taking notes, write these down. First kind of person you're going to see is the simple. And the simple who is someone who is not wise simply because no one's told them yet. Like they haven't learned it yet. They just don't, they don't know it. They're not wise because they're naive or they're clueless. And they only went there and did that thing that they did or they only made that decision that way because they simply didn't know any better. And we have all been the simple at one time or another, or we're all simple in different areas. Proverbs 7, 7, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. And he's not picking on young people here, it's just that we've all been there. And this is, it's usually young people who are the simple, they haven't lived long enough to know any better, but there's a little bit of simple in all of us where we actually think we know best. Or it's an area of life that we just, we haven't grown up yet. And there's usually someone in your life, though, in that area who's saying, no, like, don't, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't be around that person. Don't do that thing. Don't date that person. There's a hit song that really illustrates the simple. So in, in the powerful words of Taylor Swift here, when you're 15, somebody tells you that they love you you're gonna believe them (laughs) like and everyone who thinks that's funny right now has been there right and you know like yeah that's I get it that's not that's not love and it's not what you think but when you're the simple you don't know and again we're all simple in some area which is why it's good not to make decisions by yourself and even like the goal of small groups is Friend, small groups is not, like we're not doing that because you don't have enough to do or like we think you need something more to do but because we need wisdom at all costs and we need people in our life who are praying for us and have our back and will 
I mean, that's going to save, no matter how much you've got to do, that's going to save you time right there because you've got people who, they care about your soul and they care about your life. And I'm begging you, especially if you're a young person or a student or a 20-something, like, do not make decisions by yourself. Wherever you are in life, have a group of people around you that know what you're facing And this is for everybody in the room, especially if you're going through something difficult, because when you're in the middle of uh, of something traumatic or something difficult, the last person to take advice from is is yourself. In fact, some of the, the best wisdom or advice I've ever heard is, man, if you've gone through something seriously traumatic or or a tragedy or something, like do not make any decisions for at least six months even up to a year. Don't make any major decisions. Don't, don't sell the house. Don't, don't move. Don't change your job. Like that You're just not in the right frame, the wisdom frame of mind in those moments to do those things. And there's a little bit of, of simple in all of us, but the cure for the simple is this. The cure is time. You've got to live long enough to have people speak into your life. And that's what a wise person does. A wise person lets people speak into their life. Another person you see in the book of Proverbs is this type of person is the fool. And you'll see this word a lot in Proverbs. The fool knows the right thing to do, but won't do it. Like, I know what the, what the label says, but I'm going to try it anyway. Or I know that this hasn't worked out for anyone else, but I'm going to take my chances and I'm going to try it. And we all know fools around us and there's an area of life where we're foolish little bit of, like we all play the fool at some time where we know the right thing to do, but we say, I'm going to take my chances. And the fool, the defense of the fool, like why in the world would you do that? Proverbs 10, 23, a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. Like it, if, it feels good in the moment. And sin feels good for a short season but then it bites you. If you go outside of God's ways, it does not return blessing. It does not return good things. And God wasn't telling you what to do for his sake. He was telling you what to do because he loves you. He cares for you. He's telling you for your sake. And this is, again, why having the right people in your life is so crucial. Because the unfortunate cure for foolishness is tragedy. And sometimes it takes a tragic moment for a lot of us to wake up. And I wish it wouldn't. And we get fair warnings, like we get a fair warning now. If you know in your heart, man, this is headed for tragedy, put out the fire before the flames grow higher. And put it out while you still can. And some of us are walking through tragedy, but we need, what needs to happen is we need to let God get a hold of our life and turn it around and let God use the very thing that was tragic to help other people. There is purpose in your pain. And this is why, friend, this is why there's a growth track. And I know you hear us talk a lot about growth track. That's because it will help redeem your life from the labels that the world has put on you. Help bring clarity and direction to, to kind of pop your head up out of your own problems and see a bigger thing that's going on. And this afternoon, I'm, I'm teaching step one of the growth track. It's a great opportunity for you to come. For some of you, you've been coming, but you don't really 
You don't even know what you're attending, really. You don't even know what you're really uh, a part of. And God wants to give you a purpose clear off yesterday and give you a vision for the future and give you something bigger than your problems or your situations to live for. You weren't made to just solve problems and live life for problems. God has, has a bigger purpose going. But let me give you the third type of person in Proverbs is the mocker. Or depending on your translation, it'll say scoffer. The mocker or the scoffer. And the mocker is a fool on steroids because he says, not only am I not going to do the right thing, not only do I, am I going to reject that, I'm going to criticize others who do the right thing. And they'll try to control your life through criticism. Now, you may not know a mocker personally or like be friends with a mocker, but you've probably met one. Uh, through social media or through news comments or someplace on the internet because that's where they really thrive. They live for debate. They live like they're just hoping you'll give a comeback. They're just hoping you'll take debate. They love trolling. They love making comments that mess up your day, mess up your life. They love to make you feel a certain way. And some of you have engaged in the conversation like you've engaged a mocker. And the Bible says, don't do it. Like, don't even, don't even waste the truth on them. Don't even talk to them. Proverbs 9, 7 through 8 says, Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. And you don't need more abuse in your life. Like, they're not going to change. They're going to hate you. And so what do you do about that? And the Bible has strong language about a mocker. I mean, we're talking about someone who is, uh, I mean, you look up a mock, this is a very extreme version, and, and really it's that nobody can help them. No one can. The only cure for a mocker is this, it's God. And maybe you're listening to this and you wonder if, man, do I fall into that category? And I just give you this fair warning to look for God and let him speak into your life. But the fourth person, the person we want to be, is this, and that is the wise. And the wise is not the smartest, it's not the oldest, it's not the one with the most education, it's not the person who understands the Bible better. They have a unique quality, the wise, that I hope you'll see and embrace, and I know you do because you're at church today, like this already shows that, that you're, you have this quality or desire it in your life. I'll show it to you in Proverbs 9, 9. So this is picking right up from this last verse where it says, don't rebuke the mocker, they'll hate you, but rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. They don't immediately push back, defend themselves. They say, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for, for telling me that. And not in your notes, but that one quality that the wise have is that they're teachable. They're teachable. They're pliable. Too many people are valuing their self-reliance and their own sense of right and wrong. We all need others who love God, who will speak wisdom into our life. And when they do it, don't throw stones at them. Receive it. Reflect it. 
Reflect on it. Act on it. Like, consider it. And, and yeah, they may be wrong, but think about it first. <laughs> consider it. Thank them for their wisdom. I love what quarterback Peyton Manning says. And I love this because it could just apply to so many different areas of life. But he says, I love being coached. I ask a lot of questions and certainly appreciate any insight and feedback. I think if you ever stop listening to coaching or stop asking questions, you probably need to be doing something else. And couldn't that apply to a lot of different jobs and a lot of different things? So like, Man, if you're not willing, willing to do that, if you're just going to stop doing that altogether, well, then maybe you need to think about doing something else. And there's not room in this for your notes or maybe time to write down, but I did put this up here just to sum up this section of these four people. Of, sum it up this way. Correct the simple and they won't get you. Correct the fool and they will ignore you. Correct the mocker and they will hate you. Correct the wise and they will thank you. And probably up until this point, um, we've all been thinking about different people in our life and putting them in these different type categories of who they might be, of someone we might be struggling with or whatnot. But uh, let's just for a moment here now look at this and ask ourselves, like when, when I'm corrected, do I get it? Do I ignore it? Do I hate it? Or am I thankful for it? And do I consider it? And do I reflect on it? Am I willing to be corrected? Am I teachable? Am I wise? Am I wise? And if you apply it, I, I mean, it's just the best thing. God's way works, but you've got to put it to the test. You've got to put it to ac- application. So we're going to have different topics from the book of Proverbs that the book of Proverbs brings up that we're going to look at in this series and just be teachable. And some of those are succeeding at work, cultivating my friendships, taming my temper, managing my mouth, surviving my schedule, earning the respect of others. And let's look at the first topic today. And it was so easy to know where to start. Like, where do, where's the first place that we go in the book of Proverbs? Well, it's easy to know where to start because the Bible just says where to start. Like, it says, this is the beginning right here. This is where you go. If you're going to do a series on Proverbs, here's where you begin. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Wisdom is the basic attitude that affects every aspect of life. So it makes sense that faith in God should be the controlling principle of that wisdom. Trust in God. Now the Bible talks a lot about the fear of the Lord. You see this phrase, many, many times throughout the Bible. And many people, when they see this, are kind of quick to go off in one of two directions. One direction is they think, man, this means I should be afraid of God, to run from him, to not want to have anything to do with him, to have a big, scary view of God. And quite honestly, for the unbeliever, the fear of God is, is simply a fear of judgment and the judgment of God. It's a fear of eternal death, separation from God. But for the believer, God says, do not be afraid. Like he shows up and says, do not fear. 
So it doesn't mean to, be, to have a spooky, scary, like to be scared of God, to want to run away from Him. But another direction people can take is they, they start to diminish this fear of God. Um, and, and they'll say, well, that just simply means to, to respect God or to honor God. But God uses the fear of the Lord, this phrase, for a reason. And, and the fear of the Lord is this deep, deep sense of and I just even hesitate to use another word because this is God doesn't use another word he uses this and and it's would you agree with me that there are things in life where it is appropriate to have a healthy fear around that thing you know I I think of um, electricity that a wise person has a healthy fear when they're dealing with electricity. A fool, a simpleton, just does whatever they want. They don't test it. They're just working with it however they want to work with it. A wise person knows, man, there's a proper way to do this. There's a right way. I've got to deal with this thing. And there is like scientific laws behind this that if I don't follow them, it's going to work out badly for me. And there's just a healthy fear. That doesn't mean you don't get close to it. Like we've got electricity in our pocket, in our hand. We like have it running in our house. We're surrounded by it all the time, but there's a healthy fear when it comes to it. And there's a healthy fear that when you get this proper view of God, it begins to affect your life in a powerful way. And that's when wisdom comes into your life. Because if you submit your life to someone bigger and better and wiser, you can't have wisdom if you don't have the right view of God. How you view God affects how you relate to him. And how you relate to him affects the amount of wisdom in your life. And so I want to just get us a, a right view of God or bring us around three declarations today that I believe give us a proper healthy fear of God in our life. And the first declaration is this if you're taking notes and that is God is awesome. God is awesome. And I know we, well, we like use that word all the time for lots of different things, but I mean, God is, God, even in the places where I'm second guessing you, even in the places where I think you're not doing what you should, God, you're doing what you should. And you do wonderful, th- like a sense of wonder and awe and all my efforts, I'll fall short. I do not understand you. Psalm 33, verse 8, let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. At Rockbrook, we we try to take this seriously. Like, we do not take ourselves seriously. We, I mean, most of my illustrations and stories are like, that they're self-deprecating they're like making fun of myself I don't take myself too seriously here we're not pious about ourselves we're not rigid about ourselves but we're praising God God is eternal God is the beginning and the end and and so we're not going to be like formal about ourselves but we're formal about God like God is the Alpha and the Omega, he's existing in all, t- he's not living in my time zone, everybody. He's the sovereign creator. He's an awesome God. There's a place in the book of Job, another one of the wisdom books, where Job and his friends 
are talking and asking a lot of questions, and you can, you can go read 37 chapters worth of Job and his friends asking questions about God, talking, doing their best to try and make sense of things. And then Job, or God steps in, you see it in Job chapter 38, says, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. And you can go read Job 38, 39, 40, go through where he, where, where God's responding and asking questions and it just leaves you awestruck of God and it's a reminder that this is not about me. Even the thief on the cross, after he realized who Jesus was, he rebuked the other thief for his irreverence. And he says, don't you fear God? Then he turned to Jesus and he honored him as king. That God is, God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is sovereign. God is immutable. God is omnipotent. God is the most high God. He's the God of angel armies. He is full of mercy. He is the everlasting one. He is the great I am, the forever king. He is full of mercy, full of grace. He is our creator. God is awesome. Number two, God is holy. He's holy. And he owes me nothing. God does not owe me comfort. He does not owe me happiness. If, if he never did another thing for me, who am I that he would even be mindful of me? And so we magnify God. We magnify his holiness. Psalm 99.5 says, Exalt the Lord our God. Bow low before his feet, for he is holy. Hebrews 12.28-29 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And this phrase right here, like there's no mystery about how this is translated. It's so clear. This isn't even a word picture, everybody. It's saying God is a consuming fire. There are several incidents in which God's judgment, God's wrath, God's holiness or power are displayed by fire, by consuming fire from heaven. Aaron's sons were destroyed by fire when they offered a profane sacrifice in the tabernacle. They went in the tabernacle and they didn't take it seriously. And they offered what was called a strange fire. And it was just a sign of their disgrace for the holiness of God. And uh, they were destroyed by a consuming fire. There's a confrontation between Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. It's another example of consuming fire from God. The prophets of Baal set up an altar and they called upon their false god uh, all day long to rain fire down from heaven. Nothing happened. Then Elijah built an altar of stones. He dug a ditch around it, put the sacrifice on top of wood on the, on the altar, and he called for the altar to be soaked, drenched in water three, three times, and it filled the water or filled the ditch with water. And then he calls on Yahweh. He calls on the one true God. 
and God brought down a consuming fire from heaven. It consumed the entire sacrifice. It consumed the altar, the stones. It licked up all the water in the ditch. Then his anger turned against the false prophets and they were all killed. When prophesying the destruction of the Assyrians who resisted the true living God and warred against his people, you see Isaiah refers to the tongue of the Lord as a consuming fire and his arm coming down with raging anger and consuming fire. And God's holiness is the reason for his being a consuming fire. It burns up anything unholy. And the holiness of God is the part of his nature that most separates us from him and separates him from us. And so you can see Isaiah asks, well, who can dwell with a consuming fire? Who in the world could ever get close to God and, and, and be with everlasting burning that way? And Isaiah answers this by saying, only the righteous can withstand the consuming fire of God's wrath against sin. Because sin is an offense to God's holiness. And thank God we are made righteous by the cross of Christ, by the work of Jesus Christ that allows us to be close to God, that allows us to say nothing in all the world could separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, in the holiness of Christ. He is awesome. He is holy. But here's a third one. God is right. Like when you see it one way and God sees it another, God is right. I don't know how else to say that. And you'll hear, like this is a very popular approach right now, of you'll hear, like, well, some things just aren't consistent in the Bible. Well, what's not consistent? Well, some things can't be explained. Like what? Well, there's no way that a man can live inside the belly of a large fish or a whale for three days. Like, that's not possible. Okay, I happen to believe that's not possible either. Like, neither is it possible to walk across dry ground across the Red Sea. And neither is it possible to be thrown into a fiery furnace and then come out and not have your clothes singed and not even be smelling of smoke. And neither is it possible for a virgin to have a baby or for a man to walk on water or for a human being to give the blind sight or give the lame walk. It's not possible for a man to be tortured suffocate on a cross, have a spear thrust in his side, die, be buried on a Friday, and then walk out of his tomb on a Sunday and be seen by hundreds and minister to them. That doesn't prove the Bible wrong. That proves God is awesome and that God is holy and that God works miracles. And what do I got to do to get an amen in this church today? That doesn't prove the Bible wrong. It proves God is powerful. Psalm 19 Verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great 
reward. The fear of the Lord brings great reward. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And one more note for you and then we'll pray. When I understand what it means to fear God, I can live fearlessly. It brings courage. It brings hope. It brings a future. It brings power. Heavenly Father, you've said that getting wisdom is the most important thing that we can do. And that would obviously begin with you. And if today you're here and you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, never invited Christ Jesus into your life, like you might feel far from God today, and maybe you say, I've rejected God before, but I'm ready to know Him. You're ready to live your life for Him. It's time to live for God. You might be a Christian, but you're not living for God. There's no fear of God. There's no focus there. Would you turn to him in your heart right now? It, it, it doesn't matter the words you say. What matters is the opinion, the attitude of your heart, of your life, of your mind. But I'll help you with some words as you turn to him now. Say, Jesus Christ, I do not understand it all, but I want you in my life. Just say that in your mind to him. Say, God, would you help me? I know I've done wrong and, and, and I ask you to forgive me. God, you are my God. I give you my life. Jesus, thank you for making my sin payment for me. I declare you as my Lord. I want to follow you. I want to submit my life to you. I want the blessing you promise. I want the reward you promise. And so I'm putting my trust in you. If you've already made that decision before in your life, let's just turn to him at the outset of this series and say, God, I want to make wisdom, I want to make wisdom a life goal to become a wise person by knowing you and by applying your word. And help us, Father, to be wise people, to be a wise church. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.